0: two, three. All right. Perfect. Perfect.
1: (laughs) I think uh, us saying perfect uh, lined up better than both of those claps. That's really funny. (laughs) I think so,
0: too. I might have to, like, keep that in.
1: That's perfect. Yeah, I've been looking through um, sort of the the latest news about about things. Um, Hacker news, uh, whatever Google shows me on Google Now. Um, yeah there's been a lot this week i'll tell you so i used to i don't know if i ever told you i i used to have this fake podcast um it's called informed discussion uh informed com. (laughs) (laughs) and basically every week i would publish a synopsis for a podcast that i didn't record (laughs) and um it was always such a pain in the ass because uh you would go and you'd you know start researching for like topics and stuff and then like nothing would happen in a week you know <laughs> yeah just been really fortunate i think that this week it's been like super jam packed with with all sorts of interesting news
0: awesome yeah totally i well that one thing you uh sent me earlier about the whole uh recapture that sounds uh, just like a a breath of fresh air for users because i hate having to type those things in
1: yeah it's it's one of those things where it It hasn't gone anywhere for, you know, roughly 10 years. So (laughs) uh, do you want to start with that or uh, do you have an agenda or?
0: Uh, There's really no agenda. I mean, we could just pretty much tackle things at any rate.
1: So Google recently and by recently, I mean this morning uh, announced that they're putting out a new version of ReCAPTCHA and so uh, for listeners that don't know what a CAPTCHA is, it's one of those terrible sort of texts that are all swirled up and and partially obscured and um, sometimes just like completely unintelligible texts that you have to type in to to sign up for things or to log in for things if you've entered the wrong password too many times.
0: That or if if you have to download anything, I always have them at like Mediafire and all those kinds of websites. Oh, God, yeah.
1: um. And, and the purpose of it is basically to separate the the humans from the computers, right? You don't want bots or, or scripts or anything going and just bleeding through these sort of valuable resources, right? You don't want, you know, Twitter wouldn't want a uh, 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 program creating new Twitter accounts.
0: Exactly. Uh, it's
1: all spam. Or, you know, sites want to block other sites from downloading their files. So, you know, they want to save bandwidth. And... So in the past, it's it's always been sort of every site builds their own implementation, um, and anytime there's sort of a library for it, it it it's actually a bad thing because despite being you know best practices and reusable, and sites can just drop it in, um, any anybody that wants to get around it can just build a tool for that library, and all of a sudden that library is invalid, and everybody that uses it is vulnerable, and so uh, there's always been research. Going on by universities, how, you know, how can this be cracked? How can we make it better? And it's it's been essentially just an open problem for the longest time. And a, a, an organization came along. I I'm not sure whether it was a, a for-profit company, but basically they partnered with a bunch of institutions that are digitizing books. And the plan was, if a computer can't recognize a word in a book, it just kind of isolates that word sticks it into an image and then asks users to read what that word is because if the computer can't read it then it automatically sort of failed that test right exactly and so that's what recapture came from and so if you ever see recapture it's sort of the most popular one and it's been really good for that reason right because it's already something that the best computers can't read and um they digitize a lot of books. More recently, it started using house numbers from Google Street View. Google acquired them.
0: That's right. I saw that pretty much always. And another thing I started noticing with uh, the CAPTCHA is the video advertisements that pretty much say, click here to reveal what you need to type, and you're pretty much forced to watch an advertisement.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been really unfortunate. and really, that's been the state of things for a very long time. You know, the de facto standard has been reCAPTCHA and nobody has really come close to to creating something that's both useful and also safe. Um, Of course, reCAPTCHA also does an audio version, which is uh, accessible to people that are vision impaired because you don't want to block people that can't see from signing up for your website.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So um, it's it's basically been uncontested for a very long time. and, And frankly, it just kind of sucks, right? Because nobody wants to type these things in. Sometimes it's completely unintelligible. You just can't read it at all. You have to press the button to get a new one.
0: Such a pain in the ass. Absolutely.
1: And Google finally put out uh, a version of ReCAPTCHA that simply doesn't require you to type anything in. It's just a checkbox. And that sounds
0: (laughs) amazing. That sounds like everyone's dreams being answered
1: <laughs> yeah it's it kind of one of those things all these tech websites it, it, the internet's jaws collectively dropped <laughs> um, it, it's like
0: why haven't we thought of this before
1: <laughs> yeah and and well part of it is it's one of those things that really only google can do right so based on the information that they've provided there's a lot of factors that go into whether or not they let you through so the first thing is that they actually look at how you click on the the checkbox. Okay. So for for one thing, a lot of computers, uh, or, or I should shouldn't say computers, a lot of scripts bots. or bots. Yeah. They they don't actually click on anything, right? So the the most naive type simply download the the markup for a web page, look at the form, and then submit the appropriate response, thinking you know if it works, it works. Um some of them will you know recognize oh this is an image tag clearly it's for some sort of captcha and they'll run it through either a script or have you know uh, uh, some sort of crowdsourced uh you know type in what you see here uh in, you know a, a call center in bangalore or something and they they sort of outsource that work and and then they just submit the data and and they're done Um, But this approach that Google's taking basically requires you to physically click the button. And so they look at how your mouse moves over to that checkbox and they use that information to determine, is this actually a computer? Because obviously if you're just submitting the data, you're not clicking on anything. Absolutely. The other part of it, um, and this, I actually did a a research paper on this in college. Uh, Another thing that a lot of computers do is if they use um, some sort of, Script, they they oftentimes don't enable JavaScript because why would you enable JavaScript if all you're doing is, you know, signing up for spammy accounts? If there's no reason to have it enabled, all it's doing is chewing up your, your server's resources. So True. what a lot of them do in order to sort of save CPU, save memory, they turn off JavaScript. For this, you actually need JavaScript in order to be able to use it.
0: That makes sense. I see.
1: Yeah. And in fact, one approach that a lot of websites have taken in sort of an effort to get around um, having a CAPTCHA, they simply say, in JavaScript, fill out this form with this basic computation, right? And so either the spammer needs to, you know, look at each one of these websites and say, this is a high enough value target for me to, you know, build custom code to fill out this form with the appropriate computed value or they need to use JavaScript, and often that makes it unattractive enough that that the spammer simply sort of passes over the the site.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Um, they did say that they're using a, a lot of other details. Uh, one of which is cookies, and so what that means, and they were very vague about it, it, it. I'm assuming means that they actually look to see what you've done on Google, right? So Google obviously sets their tracking cookies. Um, They know who you are. You're signed in. And so for them, it's easy for them to say, okay, this is a Google account that was created four years ago. There's 150,000 searches. This is a human, you know? Uh, Absolutely. It's very difficult to fake a search history or it's very difficult to fake browsing around to a lot of different websites because, again, that's very resource-intensive. And for a spammer who's just trying to create, you know, 100,000 Twitter accounts, well, maybe not Twitter, but... um. You know, Google Plus <laughs> accounts or you know, <laughs> WordPress accounts or something like that. Um, they don't have the the resources to sit there and spin and 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 visit all these websites and build up a history over the course of months or years. So um, it's it's really interesting. It's and they didn't reveal all of the sort of tricks that they use, but I'm sure uh, a lot of security researchers and and people uh that are are very heavily involved with privacy on the internet are going to take a really close look at it and kind of go through it with a fine tooth comb to try and understand some of the things that Google does to to make this possible
0: yeah in fact um it just makes me think What if you're like a new user and you don't have that kind of digital footprint that, or like your web, uh, history that you've been developing over the course of X years? I mean, even if it, you've only had the account for a day or so, would that affect the new CAPTCHA system? I don't necessarily think it would, but.
1: Yeah. Well, so one of the things that they, they did do and that they showed off is if it does, uh, fail to recognize someone as a, as a human, uh, it'll actually give you a, a challenge. And so the example that they showed basically says, here's a picture, find all of the other pictures that match it. And so it was a picture of a kitten, and you had to click all the pictures of cats.
0: Okay, I've seen those before too, I think, once or twice.
1: Yeah, and so that's something that's fairly simple. I'm sure they have an audio-enabled version as well uh, because that you know previously was available. I don't think they'd take it away, but... Uh, no, it's it's a really, really cool thing, and uh, certainly I would expect to see this on lots of very popular websites very soon. Cool, yeah.
0: yeah that's a very exciting thing for the internet. We can all rejoice.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited also to see some of the competition that it generates as well because certainly there are other large organizations that can do something at this scale. And uh, now that there is a solution that works really well, um i'd be i'd be excited to see sort of the the competition that it'll face
0: oh absolutely yeah well definitely something to keep our listeners posted with absolutely all right well speaking of um well i actually just got a new phone so i guess i should start there my birthday just came around the corner and i got the uh the droid turbo and let me tell you this thing's incredible like the battery life is Off the wall, like I can literally, I I've never had a smartphone that's had this powerful of a battery life, and the the resolution on the thing. I mean, it literally has a twenty one megapixel camera. Like that's more than most like average like handheld cameras like from like maybe within a decade. Oh yeah. So that's just unbelievable. That this thing's just just like literally bleeds quality. It's unbelievable.
1: It is quite a large phone as well, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and and the to the point where it's almost uncomfortable to hold, and it's kind of awkward to fit in a pocket. So I, I looked out and got, like, a case. I uh, upgraded from the, the just the Motorola Droid Razor, I think it was, and they had this one case that I was really prone to, and luckily when I made the change to the Turbo, they had the exact same case just for the larger version of the phone. And this case is also capable of being attached to, like, a belt or something so and it, i just honestly since it's such a valuable piece uh, electronic device i want it pretty much attached at the hip at all times so it's sure. not gonna like fall or anything because it's too too precious <laughs>
1: yeah, and and so did you get yours in the the black with a sort of carbon fiber back
0: actually no i went with the red just because it just Ooh. looked just really nice and the thing is i wanted originally the black with not the nylon back i guess yeah the carbon I, I'm not sure what the difference is, but there was one with just like a regular kind of silver looking back, and they were out of stock, so I was like, you know what, the red just looks mm. really uh, eye-catching, so I'm cool with it.
1: Oh yeah, that is it is quite nice. I was actually, so I recently got uh, a new tablet. So I have a Nexus 5 for my phone, and it's served me well, and Google's still selling it, so all about that, uh, but I needed a new tablet. I had gotten one a long time ago, an old Galaxy Tab 10, and it's okay. Um, it's starting to get to the point, kind of in the life cycle of any real technology, where it it just gets really slow for no reason. The battery life is effectively like an hour. <laughs> oh, geez, yeah, that's it, how. The... Yeah, it it's very much sort of at the end of its expected lifespan, and it was just so painful to use. I I said, you know what? Screw it. Get in the next Nexus when it comes out. Uh, whatever that happens to be, I was thinking about getting the ten, but I knew that Google was either going to release a new ten or uh, they they ended up announcing the nine. So I ended up getting the nine, and one of the options was like a nice sort of fire truck red matte back, and I was I was so close to getting it, and I ended up getting the white, and now I'm sort of kicking myself. I should have gotten the red. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I is <laughs> a bad mistake actually, and and in hindsight not my best decision so i i keep it uh sort of in my bedroom i use it as an alarm clock and then i wake up and i check my email and everything and uh nice yeah it, it's super handy right and so like if i have any reminders or i need to like wake myself up at a different time i'm not fumbling around with you know in a, one of those old-fashioned alarm clocks and <laughs> <laughs> uh my my nightstand is sort of made out of this cheap ikea black wood <laughs> which okay yeah, is, i know what you mean <laughs> yeah and it's it's sort of this uh stain and not like p- proper paint or like proper dark wood and so like already in the two or three weeks that i've had my tablet <laughs> The back on it has, like, the beginnings of, like, this black smudge where it sort of oh. comes in contact. Yeah, and this nice white no. back. <laughs> but, That's so yeah. <laughs> now, I got out the, the good old Mr. Clean magic eraser, and it, it comes off just fine. So I'm not... Awesome. Yeah, I'm not usually concerned, but I was like, No! <laughs>
0: And I'm, I just, I can definitely relate. I'm just kind of just like someone who likes to keep their stuff clean, and that would just bug me, especially if it's new and just, oh, <laughs> I would be like, this can't keep happening. Yeah,
1: it, it's really, <laughs> it's it's a really frustrating problem to have.
0: Well, that's cool. Yeah, I, I'm a big droid fan as well. I mean, honestly, it's just so speedy. And I I just, it's funny that the rest of my family, they all do um iOS and stuff. And I'm the only droid amongst us. So it's kind of interesting.
1: So you pronounce it iOS, not iOS. That's interesting.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah, I guess I'm weird. I, 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 it is iOS. I should just pronounce it out, but I don't know why I say iOS. Yeah, that's kind of weird.
1: When I was in, uh, this is, this is a, a hell of a reference. But when I was in high school, um, I used to say OS X all the time. And
0: oh yeah, all of, I probably still would.
1: <laughs> all of my my Mac using friends would always get so rustled, and they they'd be like, "Oh, X, pronounced OS 10." you would be like, "But it's it's X in the name. Like nobody reads that as like a Roman numeral. Like I don't say like yeah. the droid 10. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say like the 10 games. Like no, it's it's X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, no. It's it's interesting. Apple and, and their long history of ambiguously pronounceable uh, product names.
0: Yeah, right. Well, all right. Well, speaking of this new phone and stuff, there I also got this um, game, and it's really, like, it's breathtakingly fun, and just, like, it's just awesome. Like, a new, I don't even know how, how recently it came out, but the game's called Monument Valley, and it's available for Android and iOS. and let me tell you it's totally worth playing it's just the neatest game i'm trying to think of something to relate it to and i really am having a a difficult time it's kind of a puzzling meets platform game where you pretty much lead your character around by pointing them in the right direction but the thing is about the levels you can pretty much control the levels and alter them and change uh, the course of where the character is going and use like the environment to your advantage And it's really just interesting. And a lot of the levels are based off of like impossible objects and like sacred geometry kind of stuff. So it's really neat. It's really, it's totally impressive and a really cool puzzle game. I'm pretty, I think I'm on the last level and so far it's just been like, it's been really fun.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to break Canon here. So in, in the, uh, the list of topics that you'd emailed out, uh, You'd, you'd mentioned Monument Valley, and, and it's one of the games that I've been wanting to play for a very long time, very excited by it. I'd watched the whole development process. It took quite a long time, if I'm not mistaken, for them to actually build it. And there's two things that really impress me. So the first one is that it works, right? <laughs> so- yeah, literally the, <laughs> sacred,
0: the whole impossible object aspect of that literally makes it so unique and complicated but they make it flow so simply that your average user can figure out these puzzles it's really interesting
1: yeah it 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 really is sort of a technical marvel like as a developer i am unsure how i would actually build something like that in, exactly you know, a that's why it's so um. So props to that. It, it, it's literally like you're playing an M.C. Escher painting, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Or, or drawing. I guess. I guess. I don't know whether he painted or not. Um. But yeah. No. It's it's a lot of fun. I I downloaded it, installed it. Three ninety nine on the Play Store. I'm assuming it's a, a similar price on that the App Store. And wow, <laughs> what what a it it's. It's kind of weird, and I didn't play it long enough to really get deep into the story. And it seems like there's a story there, and I'm I'm sure you probably know more than I do, but I don't know if we want to give away spoilers, but... True. it It's sort of one of those things where you're unsure of what's happening for at least the first three or four levels. Absolutely. And they're very vague about it, and well, you're sort of piecing it together.
0: I'm definitely not going to give anything away here, but I'm... I'm almost to the last level, and I think the whole vague aspect of the game pretty much continues that far into the game. It doesn't okay. <laughs> seem like it's, it's very story-driven. You, I, I don't want to say much about it at all because it's so vague, but it's almost like in the sense of the game journey. Like, you pretty much, that was just like, I'm just on a mission, I'm going here. This is pretty much the same kind of thing, but they sprinkle it with little bits of like what seems could be a story i'm not sure until i conclude the game there could be something that makes it all come uh, like come to a grand conclusion exactly something like that but i'm not really expecting that and the thing is they also have like i think like a dlc or like an add-on version so maybe that might also um extend the story if there is one
1: yeah, it. I don't want it to be like lost, where you kind of get to the end expecting for like this big sort of keystone bit that you know puts everything all together for you, and then you're just sorely disappointed. But yeah,
0: <laughs> that's a big letdown.
1: <laughs> I mean, and the, the graphics are incredible. Uh, the, the little bits and pieces that I've seen, ma- is really interesting. It makes you want to keep playing it. Agreed. Um, yeah, really exciting and I'm 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 definitely going to finish playing through it. Uh there's one game that I actually downloaded 5 days ago. Uh b- within the past week. Uh I had actually backed the Kickstarter for it ages ago. It's oh, called cool. Goddess. So, uh G O D U S and it just came out on Android, which is one of the reasons why I'm playing it. I had backed the Kickstarter for it. Way back when. Made by Peter Molyneux in the UK. And it was pitched as sort of a new take on God Games. And it's really quite interesting. So you start out with these little followers. And they're effectively just like little stick people. And they're in this world. And the idea is that you use the followers to generate belief. And you collect that up, and the belief lets you do things. They're like action points, so to speak. Okay. And so those types of things range from uh, the ability to sort of terraform the world to uh, creating things to doing even more ridiculous things like launching meteors or so, <laughs> there's oh, a, wow. a god power called Finger of God, and if it's just whatever you tap on gets destroyed. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, It's a lot of fun, and kind of the goal of it is to bring your people through this world and and sort of build it out and extend your influence to cover the entire map. It's not infinite. Um, And there's a few sort of obstacles along the way. There's these uh, antagonists known as the Astari, and they're sort of this tribal people that uh, are idol worshippers, and uh, you have to kind of scare them off. And uh, there's different kinds of storms, and there's a sort of multiplayer world that you can get to. Oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't really gotten that far. It's kind of interesting. Uh, and I know the game is certainly not finished yet. They've they've talked about a lot of the things that they plan to do, and certainly they haven't finished it. But it, it's a heck of a lot of fun. It's, it's only a couple bucks on... Uh, the Play Store. I don't know if it's available for iOS yet or not. Okay, it's possible. Um, but yeah, really good game. A, a lot of people, I think, were disappointed by it. Peter Molyneux has <laughs> traditionally had a, a bad habit of really playing up the games that he builds, uh, and i <laughs> I think he definitely played this game up uh, much more than it deserved. Oh, okay, but. It it is a lot of fun, and it unfortunately it kind of took the the road of like you get to play at a certain pace, and if you want to go faster, you have to pay money for like extra belief or extra gems or, or something gotcha. like that. Um But if you kind of take it at the leisurely pace that it it sort of forces you into, uh, <laughs> yeah. it really is enjoyable. You know, like I'll I'll load it up every morning before I hit the gym. You know, get, collect all the belief. Uh, harvest all the wheat from all the fields and things like that and then i'll just check on it at, at night if i think about it and and it really does move along and it, it's a very satisfying feeling if, you, if you're if you a person like me where you sort of get this sense this deep sense of satisfaction uh sort of a cathartic just going in and and collecting a bunch of stuff you know and then like yeah. giving some orders and shutting it down and you know walking away
0: <laughs> yeah
1: it's, it's the game for you you know awesome cool all right. Good.
0: Well, it looks like... Um, Are you a big Kingdom Hearts fan at all or not really?
1: You know, that's one of those games that I, <laughs> I actually didn't hear about it until uh, I was AJ's roommate. And okay. And he was like, are you a fan of Kingdom Hearts? I was like, I don't think I've ever heard of that. And he's like, well, we're getting at the PlayStation. <laughs> and I was like, all right. <laughs> nice. So I have never played it myself i've only ever watched him play it and um people that i've hung out with from that point on i never really got into it never like a huge disney fan um no.
0: yeah that's understandable i mean to each their own i mean i i enjoyed them growing up but they definitely lose their uh magic <laughs> as you get yeah. older
1: interesting yeah it, it, i i certainly get the references and things you know, having having watched it so I, mean, I i probably watch two orders of magnitude more video games than i actually play <laughs> and so for me it was probably more i probably had more fun watching it than i ever would actually playing it myself um but it, it i mean it certainly seems like a cool game and I, i'll always go to like conventions and things and i'll see people you know, dressed up with, with the Keyblade and stuff. And <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably maiming these these references to it, but...
0: Oh, no, not at all. But uh, the only reason I even bring it up is because, like, for the longest time, if you, and most Kingdom Hearts fans know, like, we've been waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3 forever, it feels like. And I just saw recently since... Disney has acquired, um, Star Wars and all that, and they have the new Star Wars movies coming out next year. Um, they were, there was like a, a rumor going around that, di- uh, the new Kingdom Hearts number three might include characters from, or like in the universes of Star Wars or the Marvel universe. And that is kind of, I don't know. As an actual Kingdom Hearts fan, I'm kind of like, "Oh, please don't go there." But I feel a lot of people are just mainly just excited. So who knows if they're gonna actually do it or not?
1: Yeah, that'd be interesting. It's <laughs> it's almost like like uh, when if, if Smash Brothers were to like start bringing in like the Halo guy, yeah, and then <laughs> Crash Bandicoot, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> that's going that's kind of strange. I I mean, I'm not even a fan of the game, and I don't know how I'd feel about that. <laughs> well,
0: uh, all right off the bat, um, Kingdom Hearts has been a PlayStation exclusive, but Kingdom Hearts three already is going to be available also on Xbox One, and that just in and of itself was, like, in my opinion, highly controversial. I'm like, what the hell's going on there? Why, why don't you just release the next Halo on PlayStation then? I mean, what are we doing? <laughs>
1: Honest to God. <laughs> Are you a fan of well, I guess it's hard to be a fan of it, but there's this website that has been around for quite a long time, winsupersite.com. I'll put it in the, the Skype chat. Okay. Uh it's made by a guy named Paul Thorat. And basically he manages to get like all these like incredibly uh early access uh Windows builds, I guess. And so okay. he was posting about like Windows Vista 4 years before Windows Vista was a thing, right? He he Oh wow. He, yeah, he has like all the inside scoops. And so I can actually show you send you the link um for the latest build of Windows 10. Oh my god, yeah. this is cool. And so he what he does is he he sort of does a a teardown of the latest versions of Windows. And so he'll go through and he'll take a bunch of screenshots and show all the new features and things to be excited about. So um, yeah, Paul Thurrott basically he he goes in, he pulls out all of the the sort of interesting things about what's going on with with the newest versions of Windows OS 10. I mean they keep that pretty clamped down. Nobody really knows what's going to happen in the the next version of OS 10 until you know Tim Cook gets on stage and and publicly announces it. yeah. But this stuff, I think Microsoft's a little more open about it just because so many enterprises depend on being able to, you know, a- a- adapt and, and start writing their their IT policies and things. Exactly. Um, but one of the, the interesting things about Windows 10 is, first off, the sort of hybrid start menu. Very cool. Um, they sort nice. of baked the Metro... Experience into a traditional sort of start menu that that a lot of people are familiar with.
0: Yeah, that'll make a lot of the a lot of complainers happy.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, it's very non-flashy. <laughs> um, it, it, as you look at it, it's it's really difficult to get excited about it, just because it's very plain. Um, but it it, it really it's exciting some of the other the other posts that you see um some of the some of the new features uh, headed for Windows 10 are, are really cool and and one of the things that I'm excited about is they sort of bridged that really disappointing gap that a lot of people noticed between the sort of canonical desktop experience and the new sort of Microsoft Surface tablet experience that they're trying to push. Yeah so new version of internet explorer which is exciting uh internet explorer as everybody knows used to be the single worst browser of all time
0: (laughs) (laughs) isn't isn't that the truth
1: um these days you know i am not afraid to have people look at my stuff in i11 i know that it's not going to be perfect oftentimes but i know that the results in IE are probably better than the results in Firefox. So um, okay, I've really got to hand it to Microsoft. They really turned IE <laughs> around, uh, especially cool. with 11. And IE 12, um, holy crap, such a large list of changes, uh, positive changes, that is. Um, support, Fantastic. Yeah, support for WebGL, support for a lot of the more modern uh, web audio APIs and things like that. Great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to some of the, the possibilities that it really opens in terms of developing browser games. And so up until this point, one of the, the big challenges with developing a browser game is that if you want it to work in IE, which is a really substantial number of users, you have to sort of bend over backwards or only do 2D things or avoid certain APIs just because IE doesn't do it.
0: Exactly. So you're pretty much limited just because of a browser, and that that and as as a developer, you don't want to be limited in any regard.
1: Exactly. So one of the things that usually happens is you either end up with no IE support, or you end up with sort of a subpar experience because you're working around all these insufficiencies. I, I see. IE12 really brings it up to par with basically every other browser.
0: Awesome. That's yeah. I feel like the whole browser war thing there's yeah especially ie that's where it falls short that just lacks a lot of things but um yeah i'm glad to hear that they addressed it and that's uh the new ones look it sounding pretty good
1: yeah and it, it's looking like it it's going to be the browser that ships with windows 10 um which i i, I like it can't come soon enough right <laughs> <laughs> but um of course microsoft doesn't have a, a history of timing the internet explorer and windows releases to go along with one another Um, one of the saddest things in my opinion is that windows 7 actually i don't i don't know if it's shipped with or whether it was able to be shipped with internet explorer 8 oh really yeah and it's one of those things that like internet explorer 8 is just not a good browser at the mm-hmm. at the time, it was it's like it was better than IE seven. It was better than some older versions of Firefox. Um, granted, Firefox was still at like three six or four back then, and okay, it was it's just bad. <laughs> like today, uh, at the company I work for, the lowest oldest browser that we support is Internet Explorer eight, and it's just always such a hassle. You can't round the corners on on it
0: yeah well anybody's still using that it's pretty much living in the past but the thing is you really can't determine who is and who isn't
1: (laughs) right but and the downside is that you know a fresh install of windows 7 without any service packs it's internet explorer 8
0: oh my god oh i didn't even think of it that way yeah
1: i I mean of course windows 8 i believe shipped with internet explorer 11 because it was the most recent version when it when it came out but
0: gotcha yeah that sounds right
1: i would be unsurprised but disappointed if uh windows 10 shipped with internet explorer 11 and uh ie 12 was an upgrade
0: yeah i can imagine that too but it's I mean, we can dream.
1: <laughs> yeah, But cross your fingers. Yeah, cross your fingers.
0: Well, that's cool about the whole uh, Paul Theroux guy and his what he does. That's really neat how he gets that inside scoop so early on. I mean, he's probably got a big following. It'd, it'd be interesting. We should like email him and be like, "Hey, we got a podcast." Say, <laughs> I mean, obviously we're small time, but it's just you never. It never hurts to ask.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. No, I've been, gosh, I used to follow his, his site way back in the day. Um, like this is like 2002. I was like, (laughs) like a preteen, right? (laughs) Okay. And, (laughs) and, you know, being like a developer and I was really stuck in with, uh, the, the newer stuff that they were doing with visual studio and following along with that and like sort of tracking the development of, of what eventually became windows Vista that was that was just really exciting (laughs) absolutely Uh, let me see what else is going on there's been a lot of stuff lately about um encrypted messaging and (laughs) on one hand it's it's kind of cool on the other hand nobody cares (laughs) 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 I, like on Hacker News, every day I log on. And it's like, check this out. It's it's an end to end encrypted messaging system. And like, well, it's kind of what like WhatsApp does, but worse. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 out there. I mean, I guess it's nothing to rave about.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's one. Th- I wish there was like a better way of doing messaging. And, uh, there never will be, I don't think, but it. Messaging is is one of those problems where you can't get everybody to use the same protocol. Like, Facebook exactly. Messenger will never talk to WhatsApp, will never talk to Google Hangouts, you know, will never yeah. talk to iMessage. And if I could take, like, the best of Facebook Messenger and, and put it into Google Hangouts and make it work seamlessly with iMessage, oh, <laughs> it'd be perfect. Yeah. You know? Absolutely.
0: I hear that. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the thing is with Messenger that I think like the new version of it has all the, the there's a lot of controversy with it wanting all these uh uh permissions and stuff on your phone and all that. And pretty much I used to use it, but now I, I just refuse to download it. I'm just pretty much using the messaging system in the browser for Facebook if I'm going to use Facebook to message because I don't really trust the, the new app. But I agree, and also just yeah, there is no integration amongst any of that, which it makes sense. But oh my god, it'd be it would just be so much more fluent, and you'd be capable to con- be in contact with everyone that you need to be in contact with.
1: Yeah, Face Facebook Messenger it it's it's so convenient. I use it for a uh, group chat with my team at work. Uh, we have okay. we have a a Facebook group, and it's it's so convenient because I could be like at home or I could be at the office and it lets you send photos and audio and video and there's just no effort involved, right? Yeah. And Google Hangouts, like, there's so many steps and, like, you get invited to stuff and then, like, it's just not asynchronous like Messenger is. And I think a lot of people... A lot of people definitely get turned off by the permissions that it requires. But one of the, the things that a lot of people I don't think know is you can actually look at the apps that you download with with special tools that do static analysis, and it'll actually tell you to some extent what those apps are doing with that data. Uh, okay. F- yeah, fa- Facebook Messenger, ha- uh, the the team behind Facebook Messenger, I should say, has kind of come come together and and put together a, sort of a, a blog post or article of, of some sort, and basically said what they're using each of those permissions for. Uh, obviously there's no reason to trust them other than because they said, <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's everything. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I mean, there's no way to like truly verify 100% that they're not doing anything nefarious. Um, but, uh, but they went,
0: they went out of their way to try to tell everyone, look, we're not trying to screw you, but I, <laughs> that's better than at least leaving it up in the air.
1: Yeah. I, part of it is. It's really hard to, to be very granular with permissions and it's also a really bad experience to ask users for permissions at the time that you want them, right? Because yeah. consider like Facebook Messenger, right? I open it up and all of a sudden I want to, you know, post a picture. And so I, I click the, the the photo button and it wants access to my, my camera, right? And so then it pops up and it's like, Facebook Messenger would like access to your camera. And it's like, well, okay. And then I, I want to access, like, a, a photo that I've already taken. So then it's, like, Facebook wants access to your photo gallery. Like, Facebook wants access to your microphone. Facebook wants it, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. And there's just so many things that it does that asking for permissions all the time, we just get tiring, you know? And, and that's yeah. kind of how it is in, in the iOS world to some extent. Um I personally prefer the Android experience where you're presented with all the permissions up front and you just say, "Yes, I understand," and just let me have it i under I, I, I don't care <laughs> um, which of course, you know if, if the user isn't well informed about the choices they make with with that sort of those sort of privacy implications, yeah, it can end badly, and certainly it does end badly for for a lot of nefarious pieces of malware.
0: Of course, yeah. I I just I didn't realize that that was uh kind of an Android specific thing where when you go to get an app, they that's where they present you with the permissions. I didn't honestly just because I don't have much experience with iOS, so I didn't realize that they were more uh validation driven.
1: Yeah, at, at iOS, it's it's more it asks you when you when you try to use the feature for the first time android it's all up front when you when you install the app and it, it, one of the reasons why this sort of became a problem was and i don't remember if it was wired or or huffington post or um i forget the the particular news outlet that published the article but it was basically this very poorly written uh essay so to speak um, why you should uninstall Facebook Messenger. Look, it, it requests all these services. It wants access to your microphone. It's listening to you. And it was very sensationalist and certainly written by somebody that wasn't uh, an Android developer or had, hadn't consulted an Android developer to actually find out what these things mean. Um, and, and when you go to actually install something that requests uh, a lot of permissions... Android gives you sort of a rundown of what the worst possible scenario is and so it'll say like oh wants access to your microphone this means that it can listen to you even when the app isn't open and it's like oh yeah. my god <laughs> that doesn't mean exactly. they are <laughs> it, it just means that they can but yes. they probably don't so
0: and and more realistically for let's say that was an app that's like oh a, a recording a voice recording app you're gonna like get the permission and it says oh it needs access to your microphone and you're like immediately like turned off but it's like that's the purpose of this app like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> exactly yeah um and, and facebook messenger it when you think about it does do a whole lot of stuff right like you can send videos you could send uh pictures it does the chat heads which draws on your screen it runs in the background it, it uh allows you to upload uh, different types of files whether it be video or images, uh, it, it lets you send audio, it lets you record live video.
0: There's so many yeah. things
1: that it, it, it does, right? And I, I think it freaks a lot of people out when, you know, it's like, oh, it has access to my contacts. What do they want that for? And it's like, well, it's a messenger app, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what kind of what I was getting at with the whole microphone thing. It's it's just like you don't necessarily realize it. You just are instantly turned off by being like, oh, it has access to this. Like,
1: Yeah. It it's... but
0: and I guess you're definitely uh swaying me and converting me from being uh, I'm definitely less paranoid about the whole mess. <laughs> so <laughs> that's good, and I hope that our listeners can get something out of that. <laughs> but um also, I just saw I don't know if you Wikipediaed anything lately, but uh, they're asking for donations, and it says this week uh we ask our readers to help us to protect our independence. We'll never run ads. We survive on donations averaging about $15. Now is the time we ask if everyone reading this now gave $3, our fundraiser will be done within an hour. So that's just a crazy statistic. But yeah, and they're saying it's pretty much about the price of buying a program or a coffee. So, I mean, if you have a couple extra bucks, send it to Wikipedia because... I don't know everybody in the world uses that as a source.
1: Yeah, certainly Wikipedia is one of the the best causes that you can donate to. Um the guys behind it are are really awesome. And what a lot of people don't know is some of the the scalability issues that they deal at Wiki at, with at the Wikimedia Foundation are really sort of these core issues and they they are contributing back to the community. Um I know that Oh, actually, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this. Well, let me let me Google it quick. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> uh, let me let me just double check.
0: Of course. Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll I can edit out any dead air, so don't sweat it.
1: This is one of those things that um, I I don't know whether it was announced and. We had a bit okay. of... Oh, no, it, it's been announced. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I might...
0: <laughs> now that it's okay, we might keep it. No, okay, okay,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So, um, Wikipedia is moving to HHVM. So, HHVM is a PHP runtime. Uh, what that means is it is a program that runs PHP code. Um, And it is what's known as JIT compiled. And so this is this is a lot of abbreviations. But long story short, it keeps track of the code that it runs to see what it does. And then that allows it to go back through and write more optimized code. So okay. previously, the only way to run PHP code on the internet was to use what's known as the Zend runtime. Uh, so this company called Zend made PHP effectively. And it has been the only way to run PHP for a very long time. Facebook recently built a tool called HitchHVM, which is an alternative to Zend. And it's incredibly fast. Uh, it it Like I said, it, it goes through and it sort of keeps track of what the code does, and then it writes very optimized code that matches exactly what the code is intended to do. And the benefit it besides the speed is that it decreases the load on the servers it uses less cpu it uses less memory it's much more efficient in almost every regard and wikipedia has had these ridiculous gains like things from uh load times going from eight seconds down to four seconds um latency numbers going from 200 250 milliseconds down to 75 80 milliseconds oh wow and a lot of it is is uh you know facebook obviously built this for their own purposes uh and the way that um the hhvm guy at facebook puts it is they were buying servers from dell faster than dell could make servers and so they were going to reach a point where facebook would physically run out of hardware and not be able to work so holy shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) so so, uh effectively what they did was they they built a system that compiled all their code to c plus plus and the c plus plus code was much much faster than php but it was enormous right so you had gotcha gigabytes of of code being produced by this and it was just such a pain in the ass so what they did was they built a second system called hhvm which basically takes the PHP code and runs it the same way that Zen does, but over time sort of improves it. And and this is a, a process known as JIT compiling. Um, okay. It's the same way that JavaScript runs in any modern browser. Uh, basically, the browser keeps track of the code that's running, and as it sees where optimizations could happen, it will go in and rewrite that piece of code to be more efficient. Um and so, of course, Facebook built this for themselves. They didn't build it for everybody originally. And so, gotcha. uh, there are a lot of bugs with HHVM, and um, it's it's been sort of a, a an interesting process of of finding them and and getting the HHVM guys to fix it. And so, the one of the first things that w- the Wikimedia Foundation did is they upgraded. MediaWiki, which is the project that i don't know if it powers wikipedia but it it is the sort of wikipedia feeling application that people can install on that on their own web servers and so they they okay. made MediaWiki run on hhvm no problems uh so that was really awesome so anybody Definitely. can take advantage of of sort of those speed games but also certainly there was a lot of things that um wikipedia had to do to figure out how to get the HHVM working and so um they they definitely contributed a lot of stuff back to getting that sort of thing online that was a really huge tangent that i just went on about <laughs> nice no about wikipedia. I, I loved it okay. that was really cool good yeah. <laughs> yeah no but um certainly the team behind wikipedia is it's just absolutely incredible that they've done, you know, so much with, with so little. And I mean, the, the, the fact that they, they serve so many billions of, uh, page views every year, um, if not trillions, I, I don't know what the exact number is, but, um, yeah,
0: it's probably up there. Wow.
1: Yeah. just the scalability of it. And, um, of course, the free version of Wikipedia that they provide to uh, third world countries, um, they'll actually provide a version of Wikipedia via the cell network that doesn't incur data charges. So uh, basically, uh, it, if, if you're in a third world country um, or even some countries that aren't really that third world, um, you can access Wikipedia free of charge Regardless of what type of phone or phone plan or SIM card you have,
0: awesome, yeah, so
1: they do a lot of great work
0: cool yeah i that, that's I'm glad I brought it up. It's just something I noticed, and like they said, it's like if everyone right now in one hour gave three three dollars, they'd be done, and it's it's just that's that's just mind blowing,
1: yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, not everybody donates three dollars, but um,
0: <laughs> of course, and also. And yeah, donate just,
1: more than three dollars.
0: <laughs> yeah, if, of course. <laughs> we're developers here.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all friends here. We we can we can donate money.
0: Yeah, let's help out the good cause. Oh, one last thing. There's this game that I mentioned the last time we spoke, and I couldn't think of it. I'll send you a link. It's called the Pleasure Dromes of Kublacon. Weirdest weirdest game you will ever play. I oh hands gosh. down guarantee it. I'll also put in the show notes <laughs> so listeners can. Uh, Let's take a stab at it. Weirdest game you'll ever play. Probably only 5 to 10 minutes of actual gameplay, but totally worth your time. Weird as hell.
1: Is is this like a segment that we're going to do now? Uh weirdest game of the week?
0: Uh, I would love to do that. Yeah. That, okay. this is kind of an older game, but it doesn't really I guess it could be on any scope.
1: All right. Well, we should write that down cuz I'm definitely going to forget by next
0: week. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I'll I'll try I'll try to like yeah. Well, I'll, we'll put it I want to have notes. multiples. Yeah, multiple segments. With the other guys we'll probably do some other segments, but we'll see what's going on. But for now I think we have a good we have some good stuff that I can uh cut out of this. So thanks a lot, man.
1: Perfect. It was great talking to you.
0: Yeah, you too dude. Take care.
1: You too.